Um, but with that being said, and with that being said, we're good. And with that being said, with that being said, I'm really thankful I, I got that chance to go play at K State. With that being said, I am. Now, with that being said, hey guys, welcome to our five is one podcast. And with that being said, uh, this is really a special uh, episode that we've got going on, uh, not only because we've got co host Travis Jones in the house. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Represent, <laughs> representing the maze and blue well. Um, we've got uh, the life of the party, uh, the man of the hour, always, whatever hour it may be, Gerald Foster in the house. What's up? What's up, guys? Good to hear you guys. Or good to get to be heard, <laughs> I should say. Wait a minute. You all right, Gerald? You good to go here? I'm I know good to go. Of, I'm fine. I, I'm, I I'm a little off. I'm a little off at the start, and then you're going to already critique me. We hey. got to get to who's important. Okay, I mean, me, sure. Yeah, Gerald, I might be a lot of fun. I might be able to say a couple jokes here and there, but that's not what's important. Get to what's important, okay? All right. Main event, the main star of the show. Hey, guys, this is awesome to have on. Um, really one of the best players I've ever coached. And not only is he a heck of a player, um, he's an incredible human being. He's a great family man and just stands for all the things, in my opinion, as a coach, that you always look for a guy that's a grinder, who's a worker, who's tremendously talented, but really is an incredible locker room, great leader, and, and just the type of person that if you ever have your sons grow up that they want to kind of emulate. So Austin, I'm, I'm putting the spotlight on Austin Corbett. Uh, I was honored to coach Austin when I was the offensive line coach at the University of Nevada. Uh, in Reno, Nevada, in the Mountain West. I, I was only able to coach him, unfortunately, for 12 games. Uh, we ended up going five and seven. We won a heck of a football game to finish it off. We'll talk about that one. Um, but uh, Corbs is now the, um, has had a, a long ride in the NFL, uh, a long and winding road, and is now with the Carolina Panthers currently. So, uh, Austin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, um, thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Obviously, I appreciate your kind words there. I don't believe any of it. I'm sure, you've had plenty of better players than me. Um, I was trying to do my job in the locker room, but uh, happy to be here. I was going to say that kind of hurt, Jaime. <laughs> you say all this stuff after we've had such a good relationship, right? You just give him all the praise, one of the best O linemen. I'm just sitting there like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I guess he, I mean, I guess he's okay. You know, he is playing in the league. He He's doing everything right, all these good things. It's fine. <laughs> I'll be second. Second tier is good enough, I guess, you, to be a co-host, okay? right? You okay? <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, you know, I guess, Corbs, hold on. We got we to gotta put Gerald on the couch. We got to light the incense. We got to make sure he's going to be okay right? here. You know, I was going to go to the bathroom, cry for about five minutes, come back. <laughs> I, I don't want to stop what we got going on today. That's all right. Ger Gerald's a little bummed out because he actually ended up his uh, alma mater ended up with your former coach. So I think we may talk about that. Maybe you can boost him up and talk about Coach Rule and your experience with him. Maybe you can get Gerald kind of on the up and up, back ready for college football with Coach Rule. Absolutely. My time was short lived with Coach, but uh, <laughs> you'll be all right. We'll be okay. <laughs> you'll be just fine. It is. It is Nebraska. So I don't know how. I mean. I don't know how, how 
how okay it'll be, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'll have some corn and I'll get over it over dinner. It'll be okay. Kylie, I love that. I, we got corn. We, we you, you guys are just trying to pull me down. I'm not going to let you. Okay. This is a great night. Michigan, Michigan's meh, always, always will be. I mean, you guys kind of did something with that Joe Moore. You know, that, that was pretty cute. But uh, if you look at programs, I mean, Nebraska, we're still top. I mean, they just put out like the top 10 programs in the nation. Michigan didn't break that. Nebraska did. I I don't know. USC did. I don't know. It just seems like Michigan's kind of the little brother's fine. Little brother can talk all he wants. Okay. Until he's able to find his way up here with the big dogs. I got one thing for you, Gerald. Winning. Winningness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 right. you guys Hold are winning because God bless us. Corbs, Corbs. Let, let's talk about your college experience. I want to know. What, what would you say – you talk about Nebraska corn, you talk about uh, Michigan, um, you know, maybe the, the maize and blue, the, the, just the, the tradition there. In your opinion, for those that don't know much about Mountain West football, it's not in the Power Five, but Nevada in Reno, people might not even know. I, I was fortunate enough to coach in the Mountain West for a number of years. Give me your take on the University of Nevada in Reno and why you chose there. Really didn't have much of a choice, honestly. Uh, <laughs> coming out of college, I was only 240 pounds. And so I uh, luckily, the current head coach of uh, Nevada now, Ken Wilson, he was linebacker's coach at the time. I grew up with his kids, and uh, he offered me that walk-on spot. And that was the only way I was going to play Division One football. So I uh, kind of got there. Within six months, I was 300 pounds, and <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't healthy weight all the time. It's a lot of eating. <laughs> It was a lot of eating. Uh, mom's cooking was helping me out a big time, but uh, I think it's just kind of the Nevada program as a whole. It, it kind of takes those kids who really aren't given much of an opportunity, whether it's their one scholarship they get or just that walk-on spot, and that's kind of who they are in their DNA and, and how they attack that program. Are you from out there? You're from out in the Nevada area? Yeah. So, so, so I, I mean, you must have – you had to have known Gates pretty well then. Uh, my friend Nick Gates, just because Nevada ain't that big. It can't be that big. Sure. You guys are two cl or class between each other. Wasn't that about it? Yeah, but uh, he's from down in, in Vegas, right? Yeah. Reno, so that's a common misconception in Nevada. The uh, Reno to Vegas is about a seven-and-a-half-hour drive. Okay. And so <laughs> it's, uh, there ain't much in Nevada. That is true, but – it's a huge state and just nothing in between. I got you. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, all I'm doing yeah. is sit here just trying to have my connections. The, the closest thing I can bring me, uh, you being a part of Nebraska, you know, I'm just going to sit here and keep acting well, we like don't, part of the squad, whatever I can. Again, from Nevada, being Reno, we don't like those cats down in Vegas. That's our big oh. rival. That's, that's a big, you're wearing red, kind of offended. I know it's your school, but it's still just, it, it irks me, you know? Corbs, hey, talk Austin. to me. Austin, I feel it. I feel it. I don't like that red either. I don't like <laughs> nobody that red likes, either. Nobody likes the blue. I mean, unless Austin does. Do you like the blue now? I mean, am I am I just by myself in this corner? Yeah, you are. But, I mean, you got high meal with USC. Hold on, but it's, uh, it's not ideal. Hey, give me the give me the lowdown. Like, I was um, I was a part of a really special rivalry that not a whole lot of people know. Uh, the, the Fremont Cannon is – the 
I think it is the largest and the most expensive trophy that goes between college football rivals. And that's a, um, a, what is it? A revolutionary war cannon that it goes between uh, the winner of UNLV and the Nevada football champion. So the, the Nevada and the guys down South um, generally always kind of Nevada day, which is Halloween uh, kind of, that's when they play that game. And uh, it's a replica howitzer cannon that used to fire off every time touchdowns were scored. But those guys tried to pick it up one time after they won the game and dropped it and broke it. And so no longer is fireable. Um, but it's like 540-something pounds. You, uh, you wheel it around the field after you won. And uh, my uh, junior year when I was there, with, when, when Jaime was there, we were down south. And we rushed for day near 400 yards on those guys. And – just put a whooping on them to take that cannon home. And it that was. might be the best feeling in the world. And there's nothing better than being a part of the offensive line when you do something like that. When you're able to put it on the ground and, like, they literally know they're going to put eight in the box, like, all right, we got to stop this, and you're still getting four or five easy. Right. That is, like, the best feeling in the world. And, and that was uh, – that ended up being the last game of the year, too. So to cap it off that way, just felt so good for those seniors on the team at that point. And to end, uh, you know, an up and down season, just rushing like that, man, that was nothing better. So uh, we're talking about memories going into your memories with uh, going into your memories with the NFL. What would be your favorite uh, story that you would be able to tell just NFL wise? I mean, pretty, pretty easy there. Uh, you know, two years ago, I was with the Rams and uh, you win a Super Bowl, man. There ain't, there ain't nothing that's stopping that. I don't care how many yards you rush for in a game. That was just unspeakable how amazing that feeling is. I mean, being able to be on the field with just just the caliber of guys that you're around. Uh, the one that comes to my head is a tackle left. Was it a left tackle win for? Yeah, Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, Whitworth, Whitworth. Thank you. Being able to be on the field with that guy, being able to be in the locker room, uh, having conversations with them, just what, like taking away from it, that had to have been just special in its own right. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, he was the, he was the grandpa of the locker room. He was, he turned 40 years old during that season. Uh, and just the stories that he'd tell of guys that, you know, his rookie year in Cincinnati when he was there, you know, we're covering dang near 30 years, 35 years of NFL history with just some of the old guys that he was playing with as a rookie. And, um, I mean, just an incredible person that really took me under when I got traded there. And uh, I just try to listen to every single word that he said because it was there was just so much knowledge coming out of him. And now being here in Carolina, I'm just trying to pass along, uh, you know, everything that he taught me to, to these guys here. And um, fortunately, you know, we had a very successful season and uh, just, re, just re-signed our center back. So now we have a starting offensive line that is all together for the next two years. And that's really unheard of in the NFL. Yeah, no. So that, like that's sweet. Yeah. So talking about that mentorship and whatnot that you know Andrew Whitworth gave you. I mean, you let's go back into the college days. I mean, coming out of high school, walk on. Um, I mean, and and really it sounds like you came in undersized, really, too. You know, talk about a little bit of that because we 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 work with kids that are underdogs, you know, for the most part, um, in the areas that we're working with and helping develop and and, and whatnot. And, and so, you know, talking about that journey, coming in as a walk-on, 
uh, not really fitting the measurement tape, you know, um, right off the bat. Obviously, you you're excelling at it now. But um, you know, talk a little bit about that. And what were some of the things? What were your struggles that you had to overcome? And what were some of the things that you had to to hold on to as as strength and 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 you know steadfast. Yeah, um, you know, when I, when I showed up to Nevada, um, the left tackle at that point was Joel Batonio, the, you know, all-pro Browns left guard now. And, um, you know, just being undersized, seeing scouts at a practice, and and they're very clearly watching him. So I just kind of – I started watching him and just trying to monitor everything that he did and, and replicate that. And um, being undersized was – I mean, when I'm 240-pound left tackle, like, you got to throw everything you can out there to stop a bull rush, you know, against D1 guys. And I think it's just kind of the, the really kind of what I give the most credit to, like, mentality-wise is my history of wrestling growing up. Because when you're out on a wrestling mat, you're one-on-one. -on -one, and, and if you lose, you got no one else to blame. And that's your fault. And so that's kind of that mentality I try, I try to take into every game. And uh, every single rep that I do, I mean, yeah, you can be under combo blocks, you can be doing whatever, but you know, you, you got to rely on yourself. And especially as a walk-on, you, you got to have that mentality. And that's something I still try to carry now, even, you know, going into you know six years in the league and uh, just trying to make sure that I don't lose that mentality of no one actually cares about you. No one expects you to do anything and it's up to you to go prove them all wrong. I think having guys like that is is incredible in the locker room. You know, but Tonio, you probably got to spend a little bit of time with with Joe Thomas when you were in Cleveland, just as he was really he was exiting, right? He had just retired. If, yep, if I'm so not he mistaken. was just retired. Yeah. That's when I was and then Wit, and now the group that you've got in Carolina, like uh, obviously you dropped a couple of the names, but are there some other guys that you kind of were mentors that you leaned on that, that you got to learn the game from and what were some of just the nuggets that, that you picked up from those guys and now you're uh, handed down to the next level? Um, yeah. Um, you know, when I got to, you know, I played 50 games at left tackle at Nevada and when I got drafted to Cleveland, uh, I played, you know, all five positions there. And um, the, the, like, like you said, Joe Thomas was there early on through those first OTAs and then, um, the center, J.C. Treader, the right guard, Kevin Zeitler, um, just guys that were in their seventh, eighth years at the time, my rookie year. And then even in L.A., the right tackle, uh, Rob Havenstein, when I started playing right guard next to him, just just these guys who played so much ball um, and just giving me different things as I've played all five positions there in the league now at, at some point or the other um, and, and just different hand placement things and footwork things because in college you can get away with doing the same thing over and over but these nfl d linemen they, they truly have you know four five six moves and you have to be able to counter them in various ways who's the best defensive player in in college that you went against was it was it the a&m game or yeah, yeah. miles garrett the a&m game yeah uh, that was a rude awakening but uh, <laughs> I made the rest of the season easy. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, and, and that's the deal. like sometimes, sometimes you, you have to go through games like that and you learn and you grow and it's not always going to be perfect. And, you know, the, you, it's, it's learning from those difficult situations. And, and in your opinion, who's the best in the NFL, maybe interior that you've gone against. Cause I know you played left tackle at Nevada. Now you transition, you're having to play so many spots, but maybe interior guy in the NFL. 
Yeah, I think interior. It's a no-brainer there, too, and Aaron Donald. Um, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> fortunately, I was on his side of the ball, and, you know, his team for for enough. Had my, my first experience last year um, against him, and, I mean, it's truly incredible. Just the generational talent that he is and the things he's able to do. Um, yeah, it's it's not fair. how was it how was it practicing so you had a leg up like you practiced against him every day and then now you play in a game like how did that help or it's like oh he knew already a lot about you was it was it you know give give us some lowdown on going against yeah uh, I think in practice you kind of get you lulled into um all right he beat me that doesn't you know okay but in the game there's severe consequences if he truly beats you and um, so it's, you know, you're able to help yourself out in, in a, in a game with moving the pocket, different, you know, sliding, sliding to them and everything. But in a practice, when you're trying to run your offense, like you're not worried about, you know, blocking him, you're worried about getting your reps for the week. And so you're not always going to have the slide during practice and you just got to go out there and battle. And, um, I think that's the best part about this game is you got to go compete against truly the best in the game and see how you match up. Oh, that that's awesome, man! To be able to go against that, and then just you know how much you learn every single uh, every single week in practice. I mean, you've had let's talk about it. You mentioned you've got you've had a lot of different coaches in your history. Um, you know, high school you had Coach Ernie Howren, who is a close friend of mine um, at Reed High. Then you go to Nevada. You've got three different coaches. You overcame all of them, especially one. I know that. Um, that you've got to overcome some coaches. And then what you've had four different O-line coaches yeah. in six years in the NFL. Like, how did you, how have you dealt with all those different voices, all those different techniques? Like, what's your story with that? Yeah, I think um, the only consistent thing in my football career is that it's inconsistent, right? Um, you know, it was, you know, I had three offensive line coaches in college and that's essentially, you know, three and four years with one being a redshirt year and um, then go to college or NFL have won my, my rookie year uh, get a new one in James Campen, who's actually my coach now, um, but then get traded in the middle of the season. So get a new coach in Aaron Cromer. And then a couple of years after that, they brought in uh, James uh, Carberry from Stanford where he's coming from at that point. And, um you know, I was just very fortunate to be able to sign at a place that had a coach that I've had and, and enjoyed. And um, even with our head coaching change now, we, we kept him, kept our line coach. So when I thought there was more change coming, I finally got a chance to be stable. And um, I think now at this point in my career, um, being, you know, being a vet of the room, um, I'm able to kind of understand and learn from all these different pieces that I, I've had over these seven offensive line coaches in, you know, competitive football to where I can apply things that I know work for my body and, and my techniques and, um, and go from there. Cause I think that's the biggest part about offensive line is that it's not cookie cutter guys don't move the same. They can't do the same things. And so being able to, to move and, and, and change and especially with just definite defensive line techniques, you have to be able to, to adapt and, and hit these different techniques. Yeah, no, that's so what's, I think I tell my uh, <clears throat> all the young bucks I'm helping out, be an offensive lineman, you know, with all the different coaching schemes, all the different coaches that you can get. It's all about understanding that they're not 
giving you uh, this is the only way you're able to do it. They're giving you tools for the toolbox, right? You might be taught six different things, you know, from uh, one guy, then six different things from another guy. At the end of the day, it's all about being able to look in that toolbox, pull out what you think works best for you, and then you go forward with that. I think that's the only way you're able to understand yourself. And as a coach, I think it's the best way to understand like, okay, these players are unique, right? There's not one way to do things because there's some guys that are out there who, you know, they're able to bench press a, you know, a, a truck off of them to the guy who's better with his feet. And he understands, you know, just uh, his whole body structure and things like that. And it's just two different uh, types of games that they play, but it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. And uh, it's just good to be able to hear you say kind of the same thing and, makes me feel more sure of myself when I'm telling all these young guys. No, it really, um, it, it's going to vary. You know, you need that toolbox like you're saying, because it's going to vary um, play to play. Uh, these defenses now, you know, they're getting their first and second down guys, but they bring in their third down pass rusher. So where you're, you're going to get, you know, those first and second down guys that are, you know, are they readers or are they jetters? Um, those third down pass rush guys, you're going to have to change techniques from guy to guy within a game. So that's when it comes down to your film study and understanding, you know, what do guys do? What are their go-to moves? Uh, what are their counters? And being able to apply that within a drive, I think it really separates the difference between the college game and the NFL game because you have to be able to pull in that and draw from that toolbox within a, within a single drive. So we've gone through, you know, high, a little bit of high school, college into your NFL uh, timeline and talked a little bit about those things. What, uh, talk a little bit about maintenance of your body and, and what injuries have you, have you, have you gone through injuries? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you have, but I mean, what, what would be the, maybe the biggest significant injury that you've experienced and how, how did you recover it both physically and then the mental side of it too? Yeah. So, um, fortunately through college and, and really NFL, I haven't had anything too significant until <laughs> uh, eight weeks ago when I tore my ACL in the, in the finale of the season. Um, so really right now we're, we're, we're in the thick of it and uh, just going through, going through rehab every single day. And um, so I'll, I'll come back to you on a full answer with that one. Um, <laughs> we're right in the middle of, of handling it mentally and physically, but you just, again, it's, it's kind of the same thing as the offensive line, right? Um, you have to take it day by day. Like you're going to have some real tough days and, um, but at the end of it, when you, when you just take it one little victory at a time, you're going to look up and have a really solid day. I remember, so, in, I'm sorry, Travis, but I remember like at Nevada, I fit, didn't you have a bunch of like rolled ankles? Weren't there times you had like both your feet, like totally yeah, that was tested my, up? Yeah. Like, that was my red shirt year. Yeah. So, I, my, I remember first seeing college start. Yeah. Um, in like the late drive, we were up like 20 points or something. And we decided to take like some play action, deep shot and, the center came and cleaned a dude up right into my ankle and, and sprained it real bad. So I was, I was spatted, taped, braced up. And then a couple games later, I get one into my other ankle. So I, I was walking around campus with tape, like just pig legs, just can't move. And everything. Like I was, I wouldn't practice all week. I'd get to the games, be like tape, sock, phrase, cleat, spat, just had these giant moon boots on to be able to play. And so and that was gnarly, but, is there sprained ankles? People deal with those just all the time. But um, since then, I was clean and then finally got this freaking knee. And it's bound to happen. It's the nature of the game. But 
that's an offensive line. Things get nasty. So, so two weeks ago, we tried to have you on the show, and obviously for good reason. We had to reschedule and everything. And um, the good reason was, you know, your, your wife was uh, uh, had to go to the hospital, um, you know, kidney stones and everything. But uh, the true question here is, is in the household, who's tougher? Is, is, it, is it your wife? Is it you? Yeah, you know, I think it's, a, it's, it's kind of a tricky question. Um, you know, she played, she played volleyball in Nevada, right? And she was, she was an all-conference volleyball player multiple years. She set multiple, like, you know, multiple records, has a bunch of stuff in the top 10. Um, so, like, for sure, better athlete. Um, but you know, the question what was the, the, with the toughness, I never really saw it. Obviously, I've seen her go through labor and, and childbirth uh, twice. <laughs> And that's something I, I don't know. But with her going through this kidney stone, she said she'll have a hundred more children before doing another kidney stone. Ooh. And so it was just like, holy cow, like this is, this is real right here. And um, for us, I was six weeks, you know, post-surgery and we're going in taking care of, we were a hot mess in this house for a little bit, but uh, <laughs> she's a freaking trooper. That's for sure. Holy cow, saying kids are nothing compared to kidney stones, huh? And then uh, yeah. we, we were supposed to do this two weeks ago, and it was the day of, and you're like, yeah, we're good, we're all set. And then you kind of went quiet on us for a couple hours. I'm like, all right, I guess he's not coming on the show. And you're like, coach, no go. I got some yeah, stuff going that? on. Can we push it back? I'm like, yeah, no doubt. It um, was right. You know, I went to I went to facility that morning for my normal rehab, and she's kind of texting me like, oh, I'm not feeling well, like, I'm going to give, you know, Ford the phone and let him like watch the show. I just, I'm going to try to lay down, relax. And then I just get a phone call and just screaming in tears. I'm like, Oh, time to get home. And, uh, yeah, that was some senior in a fetal position on the ground. When I got home, that was, that was scary there for a hot bit. Well, so were they confused you. on who the, who the patient was since you were dealing with the ACL? And <laughs> I, that, was, that was my first day off crutches. And uh, so, like, I'm limping around the house, like, called the ambulance, the paramedics, like, uh, you okay? Like, yeah, I'm great. Like, don't worry about me. Take care of her. Like, I'll figure myself out. <laughs> like, well, so it was, that what, was what, a good, what a good husband. Afterwards, you take her to Hawaii for a couple of weeks, right? Not nice. Good. Yeah, Just so you know, well that, that worked out, right? Good good vacation. Right. You guys needed a little, break. There's a little work meetings there with the NFLPA, part of the union. And, uh, but, hey, we're just glad we were still able to go. and Because that's especially, you know, we had some other off-season plans. And then you tear your ACL, that kind of ruins it all. So, fortunately, you know, the union provided some physical therapists out there. So, I could still do rehab and everything. And it was a good mental break for her, too, because off-season just isn't for the player. I mean, that's that's for the wives, that's for the kids that, you know, dad's finally home and, um, you know, now she's, she's on full time and able to give her that break. That was, that was awesome. Good. Hey, I wanted to hit on just talking about outside of ball and uh, something that the NFL's done the last couple of years is the whole, my cause, my cleats uh, opportunity for guys to bring awareness of certain groups and maybe causes that are special to them. And I think you've been actively involved in that. Give us a little lowdown on, on what your, uh, what your cause was with your, my cause, my cleats the last couple of years. Yeah. So I've done a couple, um, I guess I've done the last three years now and, um, you know, two years ago and three years ago, they were both for, um, cystic fibrosis and, um, a, a kid that, I believe you were there at the time. He was our little Wolfpack, you know, kind of honorary member, uh, Sean. And 
um, something that he'd been battling, you know, he's like eight years old at the time. And um, so I kind of wanted to do something special for him and was able to, you know, give him, get those cleats done and gift them to him for Christmas that year. And um, the following year I was in, uh, I was in Cleveland and uh, one of our little friends at church also had cystic fibrosis. And so wanted to do that for him and did the same thing where I sent it off to him for Christmas. And um, this last year, I kind of, uh, I did an alternate route where, um, you know, when we first signed to Carolina, we were living in a hotel here just because the housing market was insane. And um, we needed to get out of the hotel room. So we took our son and, and our dog just to a local park. And when we were there, we, we saw this gentleman, he was throwing, you know, shot put and discus. And, um, but he was in this, you know, chair and all strapped down you know he had one uh, one um prosthetic leg and the other one was you know he was very um you know clearly disabled and everything was all american eagle and you know clearly military and just something that you could not you know chalk up a conversation about so you know i just approached him asked what he's training for and um kind of just gave me his rundown of just getting injured in a in a car accident you know losing a leg and um, being told he was never going to walk again to um, just gaining weight, dealing with depression and, and getting back on track with his family and his eating and, and has now pushed that, you know, motivation and, and depression into competing and um, trying to make it. And, you know, his goal of going to the Paralympics here in Paris here in a couple of years. And, um, you know, so that was Brian Conwell that I met, Sergeant Big Country. And so my, my cleats I did for him this year and, um, you know, really just wanted to represent all, all those wounded military out there and um, for them just to be able to get back on track because well, when they get back from service, it, it truly is. They're just cut free. And um, so to be able to represent him, have him out there on the cleats and send him, send him those cleats as well. And uh, it's really an honor and um, just an, an incredible opportunity. I had to meet him just on a you know chance of a day. That's awesome, man. I mean, you've had such a story. You've met so many people that you've had interactions with because you've been in, in so many uh, different markets. Um, how is getting used to being down south now? I mean, you were up in Cle you're from Nevada. You you end up going to Cleveland. Then you're in L.A. Now you're in Carolina. Like you're getting a whole lot of different pockets. Moving is not fun. United States, yeah. but like, yeah. man, li different lifestyles, different, you know, different parts of the country um favorite spot i mean just everybody's a little different what what's your style i know you're a real big city yeah. guy you know yeah la was tremendous <laughs> yeah we love la um organizationally la was great we, we had a blast obviously fantastic for that side of it um really kind of saved saved my nfl career giving me that chance in trading for me um but as much as cleveland gets a bad rap we we, we loved it a lot um, i feel like they've turned the city around a lot uh, we find ourselves a great spot to live out there and made, made a lot of good church friends and, you know, good teammates and stuff. And that we still talk and are very close with today. But um, honestly, I think my favorite is, is here in Carolina in Charlotte. Um, the, the city is awesome. It's, it's not a big city, you know, downtown, they call it uptown here. Um, uptown Charlotte is, you know, pretty small and condensed and, you know, we're South of the stadium and, it's it's out here you see all the stars you want it's quiet it's green beautiful trees everywhere humidity sucks but it is uh it's probably been my favorite i love it so man. We, we've, we've got uh two former players 
um, of Coach Jaime. And, and, and Gerald has had the opportunity to, to share a lot of stories um, of, of his former coach. But we, we can't let you go before getting, you know, uh, some, some good stories about Coach Jaime and your time with him. So here's your opportunity. Tell us, tell us a, probably about the hardest time maybe. Um, and then, uh, and then top it off with maybe the, the funniest thing you've seen him do or funniest, um, time with him. What, what you, you, you name it. Now, I think, uh, honestly, we had such a good offensive line room when he was there. Uh, a lot of old guys, uh, you know, I think we had, you know, three seniors and two juniors was the starting offensive line. And so just a lot of guys that were, they were the biggest knucklehead group you've ever seen, but I mean, truly just guys that got along with one another and um, the story, the, the weirdest one, this not come from Jaime. It's just coincidence that Jaime was there, but it was our center, Nathan Goltry and our guard, Jeremy McCauley. Um, they both were just absolute maniacs and we're just on the bench and they're like, coach, we got to pee. You got to pee bad. He's like, all right, go. So both of them just like simultaneously just grab a water bottle, start spraying themselves, and they're just pissing themselves on the bench. Just like, <laughs> what is going on right now? Like, like that's why I got up off the bench. Like, it's just like disgusting. Like, what are we doing here? And like, <laughs> I mean, just wild. And, and then our right tackle, Jacob Henry, he was kind of flustered by it too. He was a big flustered head case a lot. And he kind of said he was always a mood setter, bringing everyone down to earth and, uh, in meetings one day, kind of got up there early, got onto the Google real quick and pulled up some of Jaime's old XFL photos. Some of his, all his eye black, completely done up, painted faces, <laughs> pulling those up, just having those on the screen when Jaime walked in. That was uh, stuff we were able to do, just having a little bit of an older room, kind of be able to get away with that. But, man, it really was a good room. And, I mean, we kind of just dominated the run game all year. and. Um, that really made it special. That was a fun group. I tell you what, that college group felt like a pro group. Honestly, in my experience, I've had I've been fortunate enough to coach um, high school, college, and pro guys. And just thinking of those personalities in the room, like that takes me right back to 2016. I mean, that was an awesome group. That was a fun crew. They were some knuckleheads. I remember Macaulay would like want to wrestle me pregame every game. We'd like latch oh, yeah. on and it was like bulls, like it was like Rams butting heads. And I was like, dude, I'm going to pull something. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah, literally he would try to wrestle me pregame. Like I'd, I'd always give the guys a hug pregame and say, hey, I wish the best. Love you. Go do your thing. And he would like snatch me by the back of the neck. And so I was like, all right, this is on. And so we would have to get after it pregame a little bit. Um, and uh, we we had a great tradition. Just the union at Nevada is something special. If you're not in that conference, you don't really know, um, kind of known for um, Coach Chris Alt and the pistol and the hard run game that's been there for so many years. And I know that offenses transition, things happen, things change. And, you know, they went a little bit more air raid the last couple of years, but kind of talk to about, talk to us about Nevada, the union and what that means to you for people that don't know that haven't been in that room before. Yeah, I think, um, it really is. It's just that hard hat, lunch pail, work ethic and, and showing up and, you're going to do your job and you're going to go home. There's no other way about it. And, uh, man, there's just so many guys that have come out of that offensive line room that truly people just don't realize. Um, 
you look at Harvey Dahl, you know, go, go to one of the meanest NFL linemen multiple years. And, uh, you know, obviously Joel Batonio being, you know, four-time All-Pro, whatever it is, and just incredible career. And um, so many other just offensive linemen that are just truly dominant at their craft. Um, and that's just what that union breeds. And to be a part of it is you're not just because you go to Nevada and you're on the offensive line doesn't mean you're a part of the union. Um, it, it's an earned title for sure. And um, ultimately it's a brotherhood that you keep for, for years. There's so many old linemen that come back part of the alumni and um, it, it means everything. And the, these guys just, you know, going into air raid and, because it's pass protection, you can still uh, you can still get after guys all the time. There's rib shots available, but uh, you, you got to go earn that title. No, that's something that, you know, being a part of that room, the union, we tried to create a mentality, the five is one mentality. And it was something that, you know, kind of a lot of different stops on the road, but um, we tried to create an identity with that group. And you guys really took that and and ran with it. And, you know, and with that being said, it's something special about the offensive line room. And uh, I'm sure you still communicate with all those guys that you played with just in the past and, and, you know, keeping up with all those guys. And that's something special about O-line play. And Gerald, I know you had that at Nebraska with just having those relationships. We've had some of your former teammates on the pod before, um, Corbs, like what, what in you, in your opinion is like, makes a good, all a good O-line, something that just makes it special, different than all other positions or what, if, uh, if you were looking for in a teammate, you know, what's important to the group? Yeah. Um, I think it's <clears throat> just that, that trustworthiness, uh, your ability and your, your accountability. Um, cause you know, we talk about it all the other time in the, in the locker room, just like, okay, what position group has the hardest job? It's like, DBs, like they're on an island. It's like, yeah, but it's a run play. Like they don't got to do anything. Uh, quarterbacks, like, yeah, it's pretty hard. But if, it's, if, it's a, if it's a run play, like they're handing the ball off and they're done. Um, but offensive linemen are truly on every single play. And you, you might get the occasional naked and throw on the backside of it. Like you still got to be aware for some guy retracing. And, um, but every run play, every pass play is truly you. And, to be able to provide to your teammates that accountability and that sure that you're going to do your job every single time, because unfortunately with offensive line, you can have 64 good plays, but that's 65th. If it's a sack, that's all you're going to be known for. And it's, um, that's just the brutal honesty of the game that we play, but we, a true offensive lineman, they, they love it. And when you can get five guys on the same page, um, you don't even have to communicate. You guys are all, you guys are thinking as one and, and moving as one and to be able to impose your will as a group, um, to be able to just pass off twists, to be able to move guys to the second level. Um, it, it makes everything we do worth it. It's, no one wants to sit back and throw the ball 65 times a game. Like we're seeing some of these NFL teams do. So when you can still run the ball against these guys and in such a pass heavy league, it, it's a great feeling. And, and with that being said, there's nothing better than being an offensive lineman. Look at that. That was Love perfect. It, man. Golly, you're Love right, Jaime. He he's got it. He's got it all. He's got it all. I mean, that that was probably one of the best, uh, one of the best answers that we've heard for that question. I feel like we always you know, ask our uh the guests that have been able to play offensive line kind of what is the what's that piece that really brings you together? And that's it. 
that's a complete, I mean, the trustworthiness that you got to have, you got to have that on the line for things just to work out well, for things to, to be able to uh, be said without being said. There's just so much of that that people don't understand at all these other positions, people don't understand in the crowd. It, it's good to hear. Um, and obviously, I got to bring it back to Nebraska, okay? I got to. I'm sorry with the red. I, I, I didn't know. Maybe next time I'll wear a black shirt, something else, just to kind of pull <laughs> – just to pull it away from, from your, from your history with this color. But um, <clears throat> Matt rule, he was where uh, he was your coach down um, this, uh, this last year for a little bit of the time being uh, now he's at Nebraska. Give me some high hopes. Is, is he going to be <laughs> the guy? Is he, is he what I'm looking for in a coach or are we going to be saying the same thing in three years that we've been doing at Nebraska for the last 10 years Okay, maybe this guy is going to be our next coach. How how, how is he as a uh, facilitator, just as a all around person? Yeah, you know, um, all around person was great. I had some great dinners with him. Uh, really kind of took care of us during training camp. Um, and you know, tough for me to give you the, the full extent since I was there. You know, at one off season and six weeks of a regular season with him. Um, but in, in that six weeks, um, you know, he really getting the, his message across and really was able to get some guys to, uh, you know, from, from my side, I didn't have those two years that some of those other guys had with him at the time. But um, for me, it was just like, this is his message. And he was able to keep guys and to be able to do that at a college level. I think that that's exactly what a program needs. Cause especially with just the transfer thing going on, guys, if they don't feel like they're bought in, they're just going to leave. And so I think uh, Nebraska is getting someone that can they can count on to be able to hold recruits there and be able to not not let these guys get out just because they have that feeling and whatever this transfer and college has become that um, you know he, I know the the strength coach that went over there uh, and Corey Campbell uh, he's going to get those guys right so that's where it starts is in the weight room and he brought himself a good strength coach so I know that one and, and it's going to transition and, and onto the football field. Well, thank you. That, that's enough assurance. <laughs> I, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Okay. That was great. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun year coming in. Um, you said that you're eight weeks, uh, eight weeks after your surgery, right? How, how much longer, uh, how much longer of a rehab, do you guys have for your, uh, for your, uh, surgery and your, all the stuff that you went through? Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a long while. <laughs> We're saying the goals, hopefully week one and, you know, never want to rush back because this game's too brutal, but hopefully that, that's when we make it back already. And, um, just gonna be a long process and the game of football <laughs> as much as it gives, it takes away too. Well, wow, that's one of the things like, and just in the game, it doesn't give you anything you can't handle. And, you know, Corbs, you're a guy that you came in, you know, as a highly touted five-star recruit, you know, you had how many offers and, you know, you had so many choices of schools to go to. Right? You, you, you did the whole hat game at your announcement, right? And, and with that right. and said, I'm going to ch- take my talents to, you know, <laughs> the hometown Nevada and, you know, you, 
look, I mean, you're a grinder. You're a guy that just get, gets in there and it's just about work. And I think that's what's so cool to watch your journey. Um, it's not been an easy one. And you've had to work for everything you've ever earned. I mean, walk on, earn a starting spot, become team captain, you know, go to the get go to uh the senior bowl um get, you know had to work your way through the combine go pro days i mean i remember your pro day it was snowing you had to you know you had to like you know do stuff and it was it's not been an easy road you've had to earn every single opportunity I have been now been on three different uh nfl teams you know you just got to roll with the punches and no one's handed anything they can't handle we don't know why sometimes and you just have to trust in the process have faith with the things that are important to you. Um, do you have any advice for high school kids, college guys that have, you know, aspire to be in your position? Like just give, you know, 30 seconds, spot, a minute, whatever, just what's been important to you and what advice would you give to yourself 10 years ago? Yeah, I think the um the biggest thing for me, really that I would tell every young kid is to build your foundation, find two, three things, whatever that is to you and make that yours. That's something you're going to always have to fall back on when things go hard, when things go hard for me, I know I have my family. I know I have my faith and football is eventually going to leave. So you can never really count on football as being there. So when I have my family and I have my faith and I'm able to trust in the Lord, things are always going to work out. And so right now going through this, a lot of the burden with my ACL, a lot of the burden is on my family. My wife, Madison, uh, you know, my two and a half year old toddler, Ford, who wants to run around the house and be a maniac. I, he's had to, like, I, dad hasn't been able to play with him for a little bit. And it's um, when, when things go hard, you count on those things and that's what's going to pull you through. And uh, whatever your foundation is, find it, establish it, never fray from it. And, you're going to be fine in whatever aspect. I love it, man. I love it. If, if, uh, if you had one quality and we'll kind of wrap it up here, one quality that you would want in a coach, just because this is not only just this podcast is for athletes, for parents, for coaches, this is just football kind of looking at it from the huddle out a way that a coach could communicate or, uh, give me one of the, any coach you've ever had high school, college pro guy, what's an attribute that you appreciate as a position player that either as a position coach, coordinator, a head coach, is there something that just sticks out that a coach could really do to affect you in a positive light as a player? Yeah, I think for me, um, with having seven offensive line coaches and seeing various ways to go about it, I think the biggest thing for me is kind of coaches adaptability within player to player. Um, knowing that some guys don't handle being screamed at, some guys need to be screamed at, um, and just understanding guys' different body mechanics. And when they're able to kind of dictate and move things from person to person and coach individually, rather than just giving these blanket statements that I've been a part of, um, that's truly what I look for and what I respect in a coach because – a coach that is able to step back and see differences in guys means they understand the game at a deeper level and, and really just the passion of the game because it does take more time, but when they do it, you're able to go a lot further. That's awesome. You know, and having that belief, somebody that believes in you 
and makes it individual for you because it's a collective group, but you got five individuals that got to be able to function together. Travis, Gerald, you got anything else for, for Austin before we let him go and let him get back to March Madness? I uh, just uh, appreciate to having on, taking the time out, share a little bit about your story and uh, spread some encouragement to those guys that are chasing the dream out there, man. Good hey, luck absolutely. It's been a pleasure being on with y'all. It's been fantastic just to chat. And, um, I think that's the beauty of offensive line in itself, too, because it doesn't matter where you go, there's plenty of offensive linemen, and only offensive linemen will ever understand what we go through. Completely. Yeah, I'll say as the last remarks, uh, I hope that your bracket's doing well. Mine's not. <laughs> I I pray for your uh, recovery uh, day by day. I know it's a journey. Uh, I've gone through, you know, my own setbacks and that kind of stuff. So I pray for you, uh, your family. Thank God for Madison that she's able to to keep going and keep you uh, the humble man that you are. Um just again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. This is a whole lot of fun having somebody like you, a stand-up guy that we uh, we respect and um, that understands. Yeah, being an offensive lineman is something that you got to do before you're able to sit back and say, oh, I know this and I know that. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Corbs, I appreciate you, you know, being easy on the stories. Well, I'm sure Travis will search for some <laughs> old school pictures of me back in the day. Um you know, but uh, there was uh, maybe a little less gray on the beard when I was coaching you um, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was, my man. But, uh, dude, it's so great to see you doing awesome things, not only on the field, but off. Uh, you're a true idol to a lot of young players coming up, man. And it is so great to see you uh, doing well. And uh, you will be back on the field before we know it. Uh, I'm excited to see you out there. Uh, putting punishment on people and then smiling, picking them back up and then doing it again. Cause that's Always. the way you, that's the way you play the game, man. You're going to work hard, knocking them down, pick them up, laugh at them, pat them on the butt and say, I'll be right back. Cause that's the way the game needs to be played, man. So um, Corbs, so excited to have you on. Thanks for your time. And uh, with that being said, guys, appreciate you. We'll see you next time. See you brother. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, appreciate you listening, uh, joining in. And we look forward to some comments on our uh, Five is One podcast. And with that being said, it was awesome to have Big Corbs, Austin Corbett, um, offensive guard with the Carolina Panthers on tonight. Uh, great to hear stories uh, about his time in high school, college, and pro game. And there's a lot going on for all of you. Uh, there's actually our first Texas Five is One camp clinic that's coming up April 1st. Uh, I've got uh, a couple days off with a longer week throughout the season in the XFL that we're going to hold our first Texas camp at Lamar high school uh, here in Arlington. And uh, we're going to go April 1st, uh, one o'clock to 3 PM. We'll get it going two hours on the field. Uh, we'll do some classroom time. We'll do some chalk talk, do a little film study. And for the guys, for the parents, uh, we'll do a little recruiting session. We'll talk a little ball and uh, coaches are more than welcome to come out too. This is for youth, middle school, high school, college guys back on spring break, come out. It'd be great to work with you. Uh, so we have a little break with the XFL season. So we also want to thank our uh, sponsors, Zoa Energy Drinks, uh, who's been great. Don't worry, boys. The uh, cases are coming to Colorado, so they'll be shipped out to you soon, Gerald and Travis. And then we'd also like to thank Vaquero's Barbecue and Hop and Sting Brewery. 
uh, in Grapevine. So that's what's going on down here in Texas. Gerald, what's yeah, shaking in Colorado? Yeah, he's uh, talking about Colorado. Uh, first of all, I'd love to thank Fix Sports for allowing us to be in your facilities. Uh, Fix Sports, they're, they're not only, you know, <clears throat> not only able to, to give you a space to work out in, um, to be able to learn how to do the different kind of workouts, but they got such a good staff that they're going to be able to teach you uh, to be the best you that you can possibly be. So thank you for Fix Sports. All about Colorado. Um, one of the biggest points here is that we're going to be trying to reach ourselves out, uh, out to the different um, areas in Colorado Springs, Monument, Denver. So if you're a head coach uh, or an O-line coach and you want to be able to see us out there, please give us a shout. We want to make it so that we're able to, to offer you the same thing that we offer all the guys that come to fix sports. You can be able to see what we do and we'll just be able to roll with that. So uh, Travis, you got anything for the, the Cali vibes that, that uh, Kiyoshi's running? Absolutely. Kiyoshi's doing a great job out in Cali. Uh, it's going to be uh, out at Chaminade High School this weekend, actually, Saturday uh, from 10 to 12. So if you're in that area, uh, want to get some work in, curious about the O-line life, see what it's like about, you know, get out there um, and, and, and hit up coach our own coach, uh, Kiyoshi Harris out there. Um, week after that's going to be on spring breaks. So we're going to take a break there. And then uh, rolling into April, we've got Chaparral High School on the 1st, uh, Colony High School on the 8th, uh, Corona Centennial on the 15th, Village Christian uh, High School on the 22nd, and Indian Springs on the 29th. So big presence in SoCal. Um, if you are an O-lineman, if you're a coach, um, and, and you're wanting to get out there, see what we're about, um, any of that stuff. If you're a, if you're a, a young guy, you know, uh, maybe a, a college guy that is uh, not, you know, not ready to hang up the cleats. Um, or, and, and, you know, you still want to be around the game and everything. Hit us up. Uh, we're looking for some help with our coach Harris out there. So uh, we want to make sure it's a fit. But uh, we're, we're definitely interviewing some guys out there to, to help out with Coach Harris. So uh, big things coming to SoCal. Um, big things coming to Colorado. Big yep. things in Texas. So <laughs> I love it. So I'll kick it back to you, Hyde. This, this thing's growing, guys, and, and I know it's spring ball time right now. I know there's a lot going on. College spring practices are cranking up, starting up. For all you high school guys, if you want to get recruited, if you want to get noticed, if you want to see what the game is played and how it's played at the next level, get yourselves out to some spring practices. Go watch ball. Um, you're only going to learn from it. You're going to um, meet contacts. It's going to help grow your network. So for you parents, for you kids, for you coaches that are trying to get better, go out to spring practices, go see people, whether you're going to go down to Nebraska, go to Lincoln and see what coach rules got going on. You might be able to uh, drop a name might, might help you get in the door and get the all access pass to Nick see what's Gates. going on. <laughs> drop Nick Gates. <laughs> right. There you go. Big stuff going on with uh, Five is One member Nick Gates. Congrats. Huge contract signing with the uh, Commanders here this week. So props and love to uh, to your boy, Nick Gates. That's awesome. But, yeah, no, guys, uh, like Jaime says, get out there. I understand that uh, the best thing that you can do is always absorb uh, the game. doesn't matter. <clears throat> doesn't matter if you're uh, finding yourself to be at that school. It's all about being able to understand the game, understand coaches, get your name out there. So uh, make your way out to these spring practices if you can find one that's open. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
reach out to us. We've got a great network. Travis has got a ton of contacts. Gerald knows a ton of guys. I've done this for 25 years. So if we can help you um, help develop in the game, that's what this is all about. And it's not just about training. It's about recruiting. It's about connections. So, guys, with that being said, we appreciate you and wish you all the best, and we'll see you next time. See you, guys.